0: This podcast is presented to you by a new series, the Clergy Confessions Podcast, now available wherever you get your podcast. Listen to ministers share truly awful experiences in anonymity. In this first season, you will hear stories of a minister fighting for maternity leave deep into her pregnancy, a pastor being fired for discovering an embezzlement scheme by the deacon board, an associate pastor finding his senior pastor and office administrator having an affair on church property, and so much more. Visit clergyconfessions.com. Follow Clergy Confessions on Instagram, Facebook, and whatever Twitter's called now. Well, our sense of goodness comes from our upbringing and uh, developmental psychology has has done extensive research into how early childhood influences on self-worth have great bearings on older adolescence and into adulthood and self-worth comes from learning to accept who we are by seeing the influences and still choosing, um, to like ourselves. Um, and every child's self-worth grows, um, uh, with each experience of success, uh, successful interactions and certainly through positive affirmations. So Victoria, talk to us about the conversation of goodness and badness from the book. Welcome to the CBF Podcast Conversation. We know that conversations matter, so each week we are grinding through the critical research to bring you the best stories and resources of people doing groundbreaking and innovative work in renewing God's world. I'm Amy Hale, your podcast host. This year we're celebrating our eighth year on the podcast, bringing you better interviews with your time, attention, and collaboration. These episodes are not intended for you to listen to on an island unto yourself. Get online and share your insights, thoughts, and feedback from the podcast on CBF's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram pages. We also want you to join the CBF podcast community through our CBF podcast listener support page at cbf.net backslash podcast support. We also want to give a special shout out to some of our listener supporters, including Caroline Bell, Cindy Folden-Lord, Trip Hawthorne, Bill Johnson, Carson Fushi, Ralph Stocks, and that generous anonymous donor that keeps giving in honor of CBF Grump. Thanks for listening. Little Rock, Arkansas, Pittsburgh, PA, ashburn virginia west yellowstone montana tamworth australia and hamilton canada first-time listeners and long-time listeners we are grateful you are here for the conversation and before we move on we need to give a word of gratitude to our annual sponsors including zondervan media company baylor university's garland school of social work baptist seminary of kentucky a model ministry and gardner webb university's school of divinity finally and i promise this is it don't forget to like and share this episode on your favorite social media platforms We need to pause to tell you about one of our annual sponsors, Gardner-Webb University School of Divinity. The Gardner-Webb University School of Divinity aims to equip, nurture, encourage, and support men and women for their best service in the kingdom of God. Offering several programs, including master's and doctoral levels, you'll be equipped and encouraged to discover the unique place where your faith reaches out to meet the needs of the world. Now enrolling for fall of 2023, for more information about Gardner-Webb Divinity programs, scholarships, and grants, call 704 406-3205 and visit gardner-web.edu. Our guests for this week's CBF podcast conversation are Victoria Rob Powers, Cameron Mason Vickery. Victoria is a senior pastor at Royal Lane Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, not to be confused with the equally large town by the same name here in North Carolina. Cameron is the coordinator of communications and development for CBF Fellowship Southwest. Cameron, Victoria, thank you for joining the conversation.
1: Hey, Andy, thanks for having us. Glad to be here.
0: Yes. So, you know, we have this ongoing spat with Texas on this podcast, um, but it's when I have great Texans like you on that, that help with our experience with that state that outlives itself in in size and scope and ego. So how are things in Texas?
1: Um, They're hot, like we were saying (laughs) before we started. Yeah, it's just really terribly hot this summer but i think that's kind of the way it is everywhere um you know we love texas victoria and i do so um however andy i spent a lot of time in north carolina so i have um it has a special place in my heart too
0: i love texas i just love living texans because i don't think there's any any state with that number of citizens that have that much love for the place that they live um yeah so uh you know Victoria, we, we've we've had you on the podcast before, but we did not have a chance to talk about this because before we had you on, you weren't in your capacity that you are now, which is uh, the senior pastor at Royal Lane. You are the first female senior pastor of a Baptist church in, in Dallas, Texas. Walk us through what that's like.
2: Well, it's really exciting. When the last time uh, you and I spoke, Andy, I actually was working in the United Methodist Church. But as a Baptist. So I was ordained Baptist, born Baptist, raised Baptist, always been a Baptist, and felt a call to parish ministry about 10 years ago, but there were not any Baptist churches in Dallas at the time that had a place for me, not many churches that would welcome me and even of the ones that would there wasn't, you know, any opportunity. So I spent about eight years working in the United Methodist Church, just because I needed a place to land, and they were my interim home for just shy of a decade. Every year, I was voted on at their annual conference for another year of extended ministry as a Baptist minister, so I'm always um, intentional about letting people know that even my during my eight years of United Methodist, I retained my identity being a Baptist. But I was just waiting the whole time for an opportunity to return to my own tradition. So being at Royal Lane is exciting for a number of reasons, but one is that um, it's a real homecoming for me, you know, to be back in my own tradition, serving, you know, my own denomination. I've been waiting for that for a long time, so it's just a real gift, and Royal Lane's a wonderful place, and I'm proud, proud to be their first female pastor uh, proud to be an example for other churches about what it looks like to have women ministry from behind our pulpits.
1: So it's been great.
0: Cameron, what's what's the latest with Fellowship Southwest?
1: Well, um, it's such a fun place to work. First of all, I've, I've loved it. I'm the only person on staff that's been with Fellowship Southwest since the very beginning. In 2017, I um, initially started with them contracting to do communications and strategic planning. Um, and then as, let's see, Marv Knox was our founder. And as he transitioned out and retired and Stephen Reeves came on board, um, he hired me full-time and added development to my position. And then we've hired Anirakano since then. And the three of us have all known each other for a long time, we were already friends. So it's just such a fun, um, fun, encouraging, inspiring place to work. I love it. And we're about to host our first conference, um, an in-person conference, the Compassion and Justice Conference in September um, in Dallas. And we've got some wonderful speakers and preachers. Victoria is preaching for us there. And um, I think it's it's going to be great. A lot of good conversations will happen.
0: Yeah, I was I was looking at the guest list uh, for, for that and kicking myself that I wasn't available because a good chunk of those folks that we've had on the podcast, and I'd love to have on the podcast again. But um uh, also just a small you know call back to before Marv Knox did leave Texas and did come to North Carolina, um uh, which we are grateful for for that experience. So 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 you, uh, you two, um uh, you have co-authored a, a new book. Um uh, My Love, God is Everywhere. This book is uh an exploratory conversation between a mother and child. Uh, Victoria, tell us about your side uh, behind the inspiration of the book.
2: Yeah, well, it's funny. As a mom and as a pastor, I get asked pretty frequently for resources, um, you know, parents who are looking for books and um you know, just guidance when it comes to raising children in the faith. And so frequently they'll ask, you know, do you have any children's books about God that you recommend? And, you know, I was really embarrassed that for a long time, I didn't have a really great answer to that question. And so I was asked one Sunday when I was at University Park Methodist by a mom in the in the sanctuary right before the service started, you know. The same question I'd heard so many times before. My son's asking a lot of questions about God. Any chance you have some good resources or books that you would recommend? And I said, you know, not really, but I'll get back to you on that. And Cameron actually came to mind. I've known Cameron for years. I wouldn't say we were friends at the time, but our paths had crossed because I serve on the board at Fellowship Southwest. So I'd just seen her at one of our board meetings And I thought, surely Cameron, if anybody knows, she'll know, you know, she's a minister, her husband's a pastor, her dad's a pastor, her father-in-law's a pastor. You know, she, she'll know the answer to this question. They have children. Surely she can help me. So I just texted her one evening and said, you know, I get this question a lot. I don't have a real great answer for it. Any, any books that you use with your girls that I could recommend to this mother at, at my church? And she responded back and said, you know, not really. I think maybe she mentioned one or two that they like, but then she told me, you know, but avoid these pages, you know, like, cause there's just not not great ones out there. And then she ended her text with um, saying, you know, maybe you and I should write a book. And it was kind of tongue in cheek, I think, but the irony of it is that I'd always wanted to write a children's book. And I have a really close friend from college. He and his wife are both artists. They live in Orange County, California. And he had always told me that if I ever wrote a book, that they would help me with the illustrations. So I said to Cameron, you know, if you're serious, I actually have always wanted to do that. And I have some friends who could help us do that. And she said, yeah, let's let's do it. It was during COVID. So we were both hungry for a creative outlet and an opportunity to, to do something that just gave us joy. And so we started meeting on Zoom during covid and it took a while to put it all together. Um, but that's sort of the history of its inception and why we did it is because we we saw a real need for good, progressive, inclusive, safe Christian books for kids that um, we would read to our own children. And so that's why that's why we did it. and the the real gift, I'll say, is that along the way, we've come to find out that there actually are a lot more resources. We just don't know about them. So it's been wonderful to learn about them. So now when parents ask that question, I now not only have my own book to share, but several others that I've found along our journey that I just think are are really wonderful resources for kids who are curious about faith.
0: Yeah, Cameron, um, I assume you'll add an amen to that, but other things you would add to the inspiration behind the book?
1: (laughs) My dog is barking this is the best <laughs> I just tell you in
0: the chat <laughs> you know we tend to keep these real life moments uh, okay. in the podcast which i have to i do have to tell you there was one time i was interviewing an author who will remain nameless who's sold okay. a lot of books that their child kept wandering in, in the conversation. And it was almost that Will Ferrell, SNL get off the shed kind of conversation Um, for anybody, you know, a a child of the nineties that remembers that sketch. It was was awkward. We did cut that one out, but I can't promise we'll cut out the dog barking. So (laughs) I
1: think think they're gone. I'm good. Um, No, I wouldn't add anything much, except that this has just been such a gift and creative outlet. I've always loved writing. Um, I've always, I, I remember now when I was a child, I wanted to be an author and it's really cool to now be able to say that I am an author. We did this. Um, so it's been a, a gift for me personally, but also I feel so, um, I guess, I don't know what the word is, rewarded, inspired, that there's so much hunger for this topic um, among children and among parents. There's such a need for us to um, to talk about a God who is expansive and inclusive and um, that we can question and wonder about and and have honest conversations with healthy theology. Um, There's just not enough of that out there and we're privileged to be a part of that community now to get to have those conversations.
0: We are excited for a free giveaway sponsored by the NRSV updated edition from Zondervan. Zondervan has given us beautiful leather-bound NRSV updated editions to share with our listeners. We are giving one of these comfort print Bibles to the first listener that shares this episode on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Here's what you need to know. Be on the lookout for CBF's post about this episode. Click and share that post with the phrase, I want an NRSV updated edition. Be the first to do this, and we will mail you a new leather-bound NRSV updated edition. We can't go any further without telling about one of our annual sponsors, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. How does your congregation handle ministry staff leadership for areas such as youth and children's ministry? More and more churches are cultivating these leaders from within their congregations. Going away to seminary is not an option for these persons, yet many desire some level of theological education to better prepare them for their ministry role. In response to this trend, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky has launched the Homegrown Initiative. The Homegrown Initiative offers ministry leaders options for training and growth that fits into their busy schedules. If you or someone else at your church is serving as a homegrown minister and is looking to be better equipped as a minister, visit bsk.edu to learn more about new creative options for growth. bsk.edu. That's bsk.edu. We'll get to the the content of the book here in just a second, but um, let's talk about the artwork. The artwork is is incredible. These uh, these images were designed by Joanna Carrillo. Uh, Victoria, you said you knew her. Tell us, tell us about her.
2: Yes. Joanna's husband, Anthony, was my best friend in college. We went to Baylor together and close friends. He actually lived with my parents for a a brief while after we graduated. He's originally from Orange County, so he moved back home after a few years after we graduated and met Joanna. They actually are both vocal performers, two of the most talented people you'll ever meet. They met on the set of Sweeney Todd. They were both cast in LA for a, a production of Sweeney Todd. And met, got married, and I came to know Joanna through Anthony. Was in their wedding, um, just became dear friends with her through him, and they both are also artists, designers. Um, they just they do it all, like every creative talent you could have, they have. It's almost obnoxious, but we were really uh, lucky. I'm very fortunate to know them and their willingness to do this project. And you know, there was a a a brief moment where Joanna was um, pretty overloaded with just different projects she had. She works as a um, creative and communications director at a large church in Southern California, and she wasn't sure she'd be able to do this. And I was really nervous because I thought we're not going to be able to do this without her. And then fortunately, um, she decided, no, this is one of the projects I I do want to do. So she um, you know, she kept us on and and she did this and it's just been such a gift. I mean, her illustrations just brought this book to life. I'm really proud of what we've, what we've wrote and what we crafted, but without the illustrations, I just don't think it would have the same impact. Um, so she did all of the illustrations. Anthony was a part of some of our earlier calls just about artistic direction and things like that. But really she was the, she was the main artist on the project and, um, we're just delighted that she did this for us. And, you know, we're really excited for her because since um, since we signed our contract and, and published this book, she's also received other opportunities to illustrate other books for other authors. So this was sort of her break in to the industry. And it's been exciting to see the opportunities that have come her way.
1: And I want to add that um, one of the authors that she's illustrating for next is Jonathan Merritt who you know, Andy, I think you've had Jonathan on the show before. Um, And he happens to be our agent. And that is kind of how this whole book was able to come together. And that's another good story. I know Jonathan just very loosely have known him since, um, pretty much since he was at CBF several years ago. Um, And I texted him for some advice about um, writing a children's book. You know, How do we get it out in the world? Like what's, we don't know anything about publishing where do we start should we publish on amazon um and he called me he said well let me look at the book and he called me the next day and said okay i've sent it to all these publishers and this editor wants to have a meeting with you and da 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 da, da. and i i he just was talking a mile a minute and i had to interrupt and say wait jonathan you can't submit to those places you have to have an agent and he was like yeah i'm an agent <laughs> Isn't that why you sent me the book? And um, he's, I said, no, I just was asking for advice. So he was kind of touched by that and said, well, I really like this book. I'd like to represent you. Let's get this book out in the world. I think it needs to be out there. Um, So that was just kind of a cool moment of um, really luck. Uh, But he's been a wonderful partner to work with. And um, he got a great illustrator out of it as well. So that's exciting.
0: It's awesome. Well, let's let's talk about the content of the book itself. Um, when Jesus said uh, that unless you receive the kingdom as a child, um, you can have no part of it, I always interpret that as equal parts, vulnerability, innocence, and curiosity because kids ask a lot of questions. um Cameron, what's what's the most fascinating questions of faith your kids have asked you?
1: Oh my gosh, they <laughs> We've had some bizarre conversations, Victoria. I can tell you. In my house um they ask. you're right they ask a lot of good questions one that i've really liked though um my youngest daughter sloan uh asks a lot of questions um and she asked a couple years ago about god's magic how does god's magic work um which at first you can kind of be alarmed you know if you're someone that's sensitive about that and say oh it's not magic you know magic is evil uh, but I actually love that because what she was really asking was how does God work in the world? How does prayer work? How does God answer prayers? Um, and uh, we just had a great conversation about that, but I think, you know, to, to, to get to those good conversations, you have to always receive questions with a really open mind um, and not react. Um, another funny one was um, another one of my daughters asked me or told me about God and um, God's wife named goddess. Um, And, you know, you can, again, you can kind of react and say, no, 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 that's wrong. That's, that's not right. Of course, God's not a man. God certainly isn't married. Um, But we had just a beautiful conversation about, you know, what God is like and who is God and how God is not gendered. Um, And, so, you know, I think it's it's just really fun, I think, as a mom to hear these little snippets of what's going on in their mind. And ultimately, the fact that they're thinking about God is what excites me so much.
0: I was smiling, which, of course, our audience can't see because it's an audio only podcast because I was like, well, actually, your kid's actually a really good Old Testament scholar because <laughs> so the early writings of the Hebrew scriptures, there was this presence of this female deity that was often associated as kind of the partner of God. We don't have time to get into that conversation here. So Victoria, you know, as a, as a pastor, what kinds of questions have your kids asked you about God that maybe other kids with parents who are not in vocational ministry might not be asked?
2: (laughs) Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know that they're asking anything that, that um, other children aren't, but they ask a lot about God's location. I mean, that's what inspired the book. Where is God geographically? Where can I find God? Um, they too have asked about how prayer works uh, a really common one uh, among all children I think is what happens when you die you know where do I go is God there they ask a lot about that um so I don't know that they've asked anything specific to you know their experience of growing up as pastors kids I will tell you that they they play church often I've heard my son in the backyard recite a common um, Methodist liturgy that that, you know, he grew up hearing when we were in the Methodist church, it's, it's a part of a call to confession, you know, um, but it was actually a really neat moment because in the call to confession, um, the church is asking forgiveness for not being an obedient church and for failing. And I, I shared it with a friend of mine, you know, just, you know, how funny he said this. And and she said, but, um, isn't it wonderful that he's growing up knowing at a very early age that the church makes mistakes that he knows that in his mind and and it won't come as a surprise to him because he's learned from the very beginning that the church is both fallen and redeemed. So there are some experiences I think that are unique just because he's there every Sunday and he soaks it all in. But the, the questions and his curiosity, I think all kids have that. I mean, I really do. And part of our hope with writing the book was to instill in children a continued hunger for for being theologically curious, a hunger for wanting to know more about God, you know, a, a desire to to remain curious as they grow up about God. so yeah,
0: and of course, exploring um, with the child that that God works in a diverse and beautiful creation is is a fascinating conversation, which you've raised within the book, but you also raise the question of God's presence within our difficult emotions, especially the ones that can be challenging for kids. Um, Victoria, Why was emotions an important part of this conversation?
2: Great question. I think, you know, children, well, we all have so many emotions, but children, especially their emotions tend to be really big because they're still learning how to manage and regulate sort of their feelings as they're learning what it means to be human. And it was really important for us to teach children through this book that no matter how they feel, no matter what emotion they have, that God is there present with them. If they're happy and feeling joy, God is there multiplying that joy, dancing on their behalf, celebrating whatever it is that's bringing them that happiness. If they're afraid, God is there with them, sitting with them in their fear, faithful to them as they um, find the courage that they need to take on whatever it is um, that's in front of them. God is there when they're sad and their grief. This was a big one for us because I grew up not really knowing how to reconcile God's presence when I was in the midst of grief. Where is God when a bad thing happens? And we wanted children to know that God is there. Um, God gets sad too. God holds that grief with you you know when you're brave god is there you know that was i just think sometimes children they might not have the language for it but their experiences really you know just colored in how they feel and their emotions and so if we could write something that showed them that no matter what the feeling is the emotion is god is there you know we thought that would be helpful and joanna did a great job sort of reinforcing that and you might have noticed the the color of the characters change you know they're sometimes they're yellow sometimes they're red sometimes they're purple blue you know, that's sort of a nod to the Pixar movie Inside Out, you know, that represents the feelings in these different shades. And so that's neat too, because for those pre-readers who can't read the words, they can tell maybe in the colors that this child's experiencing different emotions and God is there on every page present with the child. So, um,
1: yeah. Um, When we, a couple of weeks ago, we're in Dallas doing some readings at bookstores and Victoria, I don't know if you remember this, but there was one of them, we had just a couple of kids. And um, so we were able to be kind of interactive with them as we read the book. And um, if you don't have the book, you don't know, but the um, every other page is a question. It's, is God here when I'm happy or there when I'm sad? And then the next page shows the answer. So we would pause on that question page and say, well, what do you think? And this one four-year-old girl um, would always guess that God was there during those positive things you know like when I'm happy when I'm brave um and that's so natural for kids to you know the way we structured the book the reason we structured the book this way is because it's natural for kids to think in those binaries and opposites and they naturally attach God to the the good things you know but we wanted them to understand that no actually God is also there when you're sad And God is also there when you're scared um, and things like that. So that, that was really important. And it was really illustrative to me in that moment that, oh, I'm so glad she gets to hear this good news at such a young age.
0: We are pausing to tell you about one of our collaborative annual sponsors, a model ministry. Are you a church leader who's committed to keeping children safe? If so, then a model ministry is for you. We are a registered nonprofit organization specializing in safety education, policy writing, and risk assessment to mitigate child abuse in ministry organizations. We understand that child safety is a top priority for churches, and we're here to create a safe and nurturing environment for all children. Our founders can provide the resources and support needed to implement effective child safety policies and procedures. Visit amodelministry.com to learn more about our services and how we can help keep children safe.
1: Since 2016, CBF has brought you episodes of interviews with authors and practitioners for conversations that matter. These stories of creativity and innovation have garnered weekly support from around the United States and the world. We are inviting you, the listeners, to join us in connecting with the podcast. Become a monthly listener supporter and receive some perks, including name recognition on the podcast, questions for upcoming guests, free books from the podcast, joining the podcast for an interview, and a VIP experience with the General Assembly podcast guest. There are five levels of listener support, starting at $5 per month. For less than the cost of a pumpkin spice latte, you will be featured by name on the weekly podcast episode. For more information and to join the community of listener supporters, visit cbf.net slash podcast support.
0: Well, our sense of goodness comes from our upbringing. And uh, developmental psychology has, has done extensive research into how early childhood influences on self-worth have great bearings on older adolescents and into adulthood. And self-worth comes from learning to accept who we are by seeing the influences and still choosing um, to like ourselves. Um, and every child's self-worth grows Uh, with each experience of success, uh, successful interactions, and certainly through positive affirmations. So Victoria, talk to us about the conversation of goodness and badness from the book.
2: Yeah. So we were really intentional about including this question because we too understand the importance of teaching children about their value and their work and their worth, um, which exists by the simple nature that they're a child of God. It's something that can't be taken from them. But like Cameron mentioned, you know, children have this tendency to think in binaries. So, you know, if I'm good, that means I also at times can be bad. And so we thought, well, how do we how do we address this with them? So one of the questions the child asks her mother is, is God there when I'm good or there when I'm bad? And we answer that question in a way that's unique um, from all the other questions. Usually the answer is both. God is there when you're scared and when you're brave. God is there when you're alive and when you die. It's, it's always both. But with this question, we we took a different approach in the answer. Instead of saying God is there when you're good and God is there when you're bad, we made a point to sort of to re to um, rearticulate um, the question, I guess. So like in the answer, the mother says, you know, God is there when you're good and elaborates on that. And she says, and God is there when you mess up. And when you make a a choice that isn't best, it doesn't mean you're bad. It just means you're human like all the rest. And that we were really proud of that page in particular. We kept the question as good and bad because I do think that's how children think. We could have changed that question. Is God here when I'm good or there when I make a mistake? But we thought, no, let's hold the question because then that will really highlight the answer. She's 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 sort of fixing the assumption that the child has that there are moments in which she's bad by telling her, "You're never bad. You're human. You're going to mess up, and when you do, God is there." So um, I think that's one of our favorite pages in the book because it's a message that we feel so strongly about.
0: Yeah. So kids kids are like sponges at, at times, absorbing uh, the emotions and anxiety, and often the self worth of their parents' experience. Um, Cameron, how might this book also be for parents, um, you know, a tool for them to talk about their feelings with their kids?
1: Um, I feel like almost every page is for not just kids. It's for all of us. Um, I, you know, I teach middle school, Sunday school, and my middle schoolers love it. Um, and I'm planning on kind of developing a curriculum for them with it. Um, I've had adults say, I needed this book so much, I didn't even know how badly I needed to hear this message. Um, But I think probably the last page, and I don't know if you're going to get to this later, but um, the question about alive and dead is one that um, is very, I think, helpful to parents, especially because they don't know necessarily how to answer that question when their kids ask it um they have a lot of we we parents everybody has a lot of anxiety about that and not sure how to process um you know how do i answer this question about what happens when we die and even if you know uh and you believe that god is going to be there it's you know it's complicated you don't want to say the wrong thing um and so i think that the way that we uh presented these answers, these questions and answers is a way that kind of opens the door for parents to um, embrace their children's questions with wonder, but then also their own questions about um, their own theology. So,
2: yeah, I think the book in a lot of ways is really healing for parents um, who grew up in conservative evangelical fundamentalist traditions, (laughs) because in a lot of ways, you know, I found as a parent and parenting my children, I'm also learning what it means to reparent myself and to give myself better answers to these questions than I was given when I was a child. And so the book has been meaningful to me to write as a parent, but I think it's also meaningful to other parents who grew up in faith traditions that gave really harmful answers maybe well-intentioned, but they did a lot of, of harm to people. And so I've found in, in quite a few close friends who've shared with me that it's been really healing for them to read this book and, and realize, Oh, there are better answers to these questions that create more space for wonder and curiosity. And there is a way to talk to our children and give them answers that still create space for the things that we can't guarantee. And so I, um, yeah, I, I think it's just been a real gift to people uh, who are grown now, but but really could have used this book when they were a child. I, I think it still offers them something.
0: You know, another fascinating um, development from um, childhood psychology and sociology is around kindness. And studies have shown that a parents focused on compassion and openness towards others has significant influence on how they will later interact with their peers and neighbors. Um, but one fascinating study recently found that 80% of, of youth in the study said their parents were more concerned with their achievements or happiness, uh, than whether or not they cared for, for others. Um, Cameron, how, how do you all try to navigate embracing the differences of others in the, in the book?
1: Well, there's one page in particular, um, that we tried to get at that a little bit and that is, is God here with her or there with him? Um, And we decided to keep it very simple in our answer but just of course yes (laughs) yes both god is is in each person all of us it doesn't matter who it doesn't matter what they've done or what they've achieved or of course what they look like um, that god is in all of us and we were actually very particular with our language there um victoria always likes to say that theology is in the prepositions Um, and we really wanted to keep that preposition that God is in all of us. It doesn't matter who we got a little bit of pushback and just not much, but we just had to have a conversation with our editors about that, that, um, you know, God isn't only in us, in our hearts. If we've had, you know, said the Jesus prayer and like asked Jesus into our hearts, um, God is with all of us and in all of us and seeing others as, um, a piece of God and the Imago Dei in God, in in other people, is it can completely change the way that you interact with other people. And we wanted our kids to have that um, kind of theology and vision of others from a young age.
0: Let's take a break to tell you about one of our annual sponsors, Baylor University's Garland School of Social Work. What is social work? At Baylor University's Garland School of Social Work, it's empowerment, service, and justice. It's ministry, counseling, and relationship building. It's faith, practice, and community. But above all, it's learning how to help others thrive. Social workers can be found addressing the full scope of the human experience, in churches, schools, prisons, government agencies, senior living centers, nonprofits and fortune 500 companies careers and social work profession are vast and varied what is social work you ask it's much more than you think visit gssw to explore more there's another tremendous aspect of this book which you were kind of alluding to earlier which is um about death um not exactly the thing uh i was expecting when i was turning to the end of the book um You know, I'd love to get both your takes on why this is so important for for the conversation in the book. And Victoria, we'll start with you.
2: Yeah, this was an important question for us to include in the book, because like I mentioned earlier, it's a really common question. Children ask this question a lot. And in my experience, parents tend to answer that question from a place of anxiety. You know, I I want to assure my children that they don't have to be afraid of this, which really um, is kind of not fair because as parents, we're afraid of this too. So let's not try to impose on our children this sense of, uh, I don't know, excitement about death when, you know, I don't know that we, any of us really feel that way. Uh, I, like I said, I grew up in a a more conservative evangelical tradition and and I remember, I don't know if, if you will, but that song about heaven, that was like, it's a big, big house with lots and lots of room. Do you guys remember this song? And a big, big table with all this food and a big yard where we can play football. I mean, it was just this oh. like silly, so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and I hate football. So I thought, well, that's gonna suck for me. Um, but anyways, so we thought, how do we answer this question without sort of overdoing it and uh, promising things that we can't guarantee. And also a lot of our concepts about heaven and the Christian tradition aren't even rooted in the Bible. They're actually rooted in mythology and and different things. So so what can we actually say that we believe to be true about what happens when you die? And I have a, a spiritual director who taught me that she tells her children, "You go to God. That's the answer. What happens when you die? You go to God." And I love that answer because. I do believe that. I do believe that God is with us in life and in death. That is something that the scriptures guarantee that there's nothing that can happen to you in life or in death that will separate you from the love of God. So that's an answer I want to give. And, and come to find out that answer actually suffices for children. There's still questions. There's still things they wonder about, but I I I've found that it holds and it actually holds better than whenever we say, oh, it's amazing. It's wonderful. You'd never want to come back if you went and it's streets of gold and pearly gates and all the food in the world like that in some ways creates even more anxiety. How do you know that? Or, um, so the people that I've lost, they wouldn't want to come back and see me. I mean, it just, it, it, it's a problematic answer. Um, whereas just saying you go to God, that's, that is sufficient. Um, it's a sufficient answer that still creates space for wonder that doesn't promise something that, um, you can't guarantee. And, uh, we just think it, it creates a, a, a better, um, a better, like a uh, foundation for, for the theology that we build. So that's why we put the question in there. And that's why we answered it the way that we did being careful not to describe an afterlife that, you know, we don't really know about, but to just say, you know,
1: we don't know, but God is there. God is there. So.
0: Cameron, what about you?
1: Well, like Victoria said, children ask about this all the time. I mean, my children have asked about it. Everybody has gone through some kind of loss, whether it's a pet or a grandparent or someone else, um, you've seen it. And so they're going to wonder about it. Um, I have a a really good friend of mine who has a six-year-old son, and she's lost her dad recently and some other family members, you know, extended family members. And uh, he went to a funeral with her. And ever since then, he's had a lot of fear about death. He would you know, cry about it at night, um, just a lot of fear. She never knew what to say to him about it. Um, and she told me just the other day that she was reading this book with him at, bed one, at bedtime one evening. And they got to that page and he actually teared up and he looked at her and said, took a deep breath and said, so mom, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay when I die. And I mean, she just bawled and said, thank you so much for giving us this gift. There's just these words, this, it just provided so much comfort for her and for her son. So that meant the world to me. It's all worth it.
0: You know, last question, um, which is, uh, what's your hope for the book? Uh, Victoria, we'll start with you.
2: Well, my hope for the book is that it sells a whole bunch, <laughs> that it gets out there. Um, but my hope is just that, uh, you know, at a smaller level for just the everyday family, that it becomes a resource for instilling the the framework for a good and healthy theology. You know, for a faith that children won't have to heal from later. That it it plants the seeds for a faith that can grow, that's sustainable and helpful. And um, my hope is too, that we get to write more, you know, that this is just the beginning for us of uh, a number of books that we could create that could be useful and helpful to families.
0: Cameron, what about you?
1: Oh, same. I was gonna say, I hope it's the um, start of a long career of writing books together. Um, We've really enjoyed working together on this too. That's been a huge, one of the biggest blessings of this project is our friendship. Um, and collaboration. I think we work really well together and I'm excited to see what else we can create and offer um, to children. Um, and yeah, I hope that it, it becomes sort of a foundational book for children and for churches to understand how to talk to their kids about God.
0: Our guests are Cameron Mason Vickery and Victoria Rob Powers, the co-authors of My Love, God is Everywhere. You can stay connected with by following them on Instagram at Reverend Mamas. Victorian uh, Victoria and Cameron, it's been a joy talking with you. Thank you for reminding us that through the eyes of children, that God is always here and God will always be there.
2: Because God is everywhere.
0: We are grateful for a chance to pause to tell you about one of our annual sponsors, Zondervan Media Group. Explore the depth and beauty of scripture with the NRSV updated edition with provisions based on new contextual evidence, historical insights, and linguistic precision. This updated edition of the NRSV delivers a translation of scripture based on meticulous care for accuracy and readability. Learn more about new editions of the NRSV UE from Zondervan at nrsvuebible.com. Okay, that's it. That's our conversation. If you want more, be sure to subscribe to CBF on all major platforms, including iTunes, Amazon Music, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Podcast. Don't forget to like and share this episode on your favorite social media platforms. Be sure to support our annual sponsors by visiting their websites. Again, that's Gardner Webb University School of Divinity, a model ministry, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky, Baylor University's Garland School of Social Work, and Zondervan Media Company. Check out more at cbf.net for more information about church starters, field personnel, advocacy work, and more. And I'm not sure if we mentioned that you should join the listener support community at cbf.net backslash podcast support.